Word. And so if you have your Bible this morning, go ahead and open to the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And this morning we're going to continue our series on celebrating Christmas, celebrating. It's a season to celebrate. And so uh, I want to encourage you uh, this morning, uh, if you have Bibles, go ahead and get to Revelation chapter 5 and get uh, focused in this morning as we study God's Word together. Now, if you're here this morning and on your way in, you didn't receive the notes for the message, you can always raise your hand right now and the ushers will see your hand and they'll take you the notes right away. And uh, we provide notes just so that we can study God's Word together so we can follow along as we see uh, what the Word of God has to teach for us. And so uh, if you have your Bibles, though, go ahead and open to Revelation chapter number 5. Now, we looked last week at this celebration of Christmas and what it exactly it is that we celebrate. What, what is this celebration all about? Well, this morning, I want to talk about who we are celebrating. Not just what we're celebrating, but who we are celebrating. Because you see, in every celebration, there's a reason for that occasion. Right? For instance, on 4th of July... Does anybody know what we are celebrating and, and, and why we pop fireworks and, uh, and have barbecues on the 4th of July? We do it because we are celebrating Independence Day, right? Our independence from England, the, the fact that uh, the forefathers of our nation, the founding fathers were the ones that uh, fought for our liberty and won the freedom from England and established our nation. And so uh, we celebrate that on the 4th of July. Well, when it comes to Christmas, Christmas is not only a celebration of something that is of God that we talked about last week and what it is about God that we celebrate, but we also celebrate a person in Christmas. And that person is Jesus Christ. But who exactly is he? You know, I, I think about it when, um, when we have celebrations in our, in our life, um, one of the biggest ones that we celebrate, and it might be the biggest one this year for you, uh, maybe it's another celebration, I don't know, but for most people, the biggest celebration of the year is our birthday, right? That's, that's when we really, we come together as families, we, uh, we have gifts, we have a, a party, and we celebrate saying, yes, I've turned another year older, right? And, and, uh, and at a birthday party, usually when you go, if you're going to a birthday party that someone has invited you to, and you don't know that person, usually when you get there, you ask the question, so who's the birthday girl or who's the birthday boy? Has, has that ever happened to you? I know when I was growing up and I was in elementary, I'd, I'd go a lot to my friend's house. Uh, Reuben was one of my best friends. His name, uh, Reuben was his name. And uh, I remember one time going to Reuben's house for the, for the weekend. And uh, on, on that night, we actually uh, went to his cousin's house to celebrate his cousin's birthday. But uh, it was going to be the first time I'd ever met his cousin. I didn't, I didn't know him at that time. And, uh, and so I remember going and asking you know, who's, who's the birthday, uh, who are we celebrating? Like, I know we're, we're having a birthday party, but uh, who's it for? And uh, at a birthday celebration, it's important to know who. But you know, when you already know that birthday person, uh, usually that birthday party can become uh, something of, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, a, a time to kind of 
joke with people and uh, joke with the birthday person, right? I, I mean, especially if it's someone that's already getting uh, a little bit, uh, I don't know what the term is, over the hill or <laughs> getting older. You know, there comes a point, I, I, was, um, I was texting uh, Victor uh, this past weekend, Victor Carrion, he, he had a birthday yesterday, and I was texting him and I said, hey, Victor, um, happy birthday. I said, I, I just want to encourage you, go and buy yourself a really nice gift because nobody else will, right? Like after 22, nobody gives you birthday presents anymore. They just wish you happy birthday and that's it. But if you know, if you're like a, a high school student or a, a, in middle school uh, or elementary, you know, people not only remember your birthday, but they give you something on your birthday. That's just how it is. But once you get older, it kind of changes. You, you, kind, of, you kind of start um, celebrating a little bit differently. And, and sometimes you start giving people jokes, especially when they're older on their birthdays, you know, um, uh, like you might say to somebody that's getting older, uh, uh, you, you, you're, you're so old that when you go to an antique auction, people start bidding on you. Uh, you know, kind of jokes like that, uh, or you know, you, you know you're getting old uh, at your birthday party when there's more candles on the cake than friends celebrating with you. You know, uh, you're getting a little bit older, or uh, you know, uh, birthdays are really good, but the more you have more they can kill you kind of thing, you know, like you, you want them, but uh, having too many can kill you. Or, or I, I, you heard about the uh, 80-year-old pirate that had a birthday, and he said, I'm matey. <laughs> yes, I knew, I, I knew it was going to take a bit, but it's going to get there. Yes, I, such a lame joke, I know. <laughs> but birthdays, birthdays, they're great celebrations. I don't know about you, I, I just had one last week, and I love birthdays. In fact, someone was asking me, how do you, how do you like your birthday on Sunday? Uh, and I love my birthday on Sunday. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, it's not bad to have a birthday on Monday, but on Sunday, everybody loves you. They bring you on stage. Everybody applauds. I mean, it's awesome. It's awesome to have a birthday on a Sunday. Uh, but birthdays are great. But the whole purpose of a birthday is to celebrate someone. You're not really celebrating their accomplishments. You're not really celebrating their good deeds. You just celebrate them. Whether they're turning one year old or they're turning 91 years old, it doesn't matter. You're, you're just celebrating them. Well, during this Christmas season, it's also a time of celebration, but we're celebrating someone. We're celebrating more than just a Christmas tree and mistletoe more than just gifts, and more than just Christmas carols. But we're celebrating someone. And just like at a birthday party, you might mention characteristics of that birthday boy or that birthday girl. There's characteristics that you're celebrating about them. It's the same with the Lord Jesus Christ. When it comes to Christmas time, the reason we celebrate is because of who He is. And this morning, we, we want to celebrate Him. So I want to share with you three characteristics of the Lord Jesus Christ that we ought to celebrate about who he is during this Christmas. Before we jump into that, why don't we ask the Lord to give us his wisdom and to fill us with his spirit as we study his word. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for allowing us to come to your house today. Thank you, Father, because in this Christmas season, we get to celebrate it's not a time of sorrow or a time of mourning. It's a time of joy. It's a time of excitement. It's a time of celebration. And as we study who it is that we are celebrating in, Christ, in this Christmas season, 
I pray that you would give us understanding, that you would open our eyes this morning so that we might be able to see who it is that we are celebrating, that we would look past everything else that are, and that is part of the celebration, but that we would see at its very core that what we celebrate at Christmas is someone that is wonderful, someone that is beautiful, someone that is worthy to be celebrated. And so, Father, I pray that you'd give me wisdom as I share the thoughts that you've put on my mind and placed in my heart, and that, Father, we would all be able to grow thereby, that we might be challenged, that we might be filled with your Spirit as we hear the teaching of your Word. So be with us this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The first characteristic I want to point out about who it is that we celebrate in Christmas, this of Jesus Christ, is the fact that he is the Lion of Judah. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 5, notice you're probably already there, Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 5, it says, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. The Bible says that Jesus is that Lion of the tribe of Judah. You know, of all the names given to Jesus telling about his person, this one, the Lion of Judah, tells about his greatness. Did you know that? You know, when you think about the lion, the lion is, it's an amazing animal. He's, he's beautiful. You've seen pictures of, of a lion and they're, they're so they're so amazing, the kind of animals that they are. And, and you look at them, and, and they're just beautiful to look upon. They're, they're one of uh, uh, the animals of the animal kingdom that is known very much for their beauty. In fact, they're known uh, not only for their beauty, but for being you know, the king of the beasts, right? I mean, it, the lion is, is kind of like that, that big, strong animal that everyone uh, can, can see and knows about how how amazing it is. The Bible says of Jesus that he is the Lion of Judah. And what does it mean when he says he is a Lion of Judah? What is the Bible trying to tell us about Jesus? Why? I believe that first of all, he's telling us that he is majestic. Do you know that the lion in the Bible was used as a majestic animal? It was known as a, a, an animal that, that projected majesty. In fact, if you go to 1 Kings chapter 10, you'll notice there in your notes, you'll, you'll find that when King Solomon, perhaps the greatest king to ever live on this earth, he was for sure the wisest king, but many believe he was probably the richest king, the richest man to ever live on the face of the earth. When he was making his throne, he made it of pure gold. He made it of 12 steps. Look in 1 Kings chapter 10, how he made it. It says, moreover, the king and the Solomon made a great throne of ivory, and overlaid it with the best gold. The throne had six steps, and the top of the throne was round behind, and there were stays on either side on the place of the seat. And two, lion, two lions stood beside the stays, and twelve lions stood there on the one side and on the other upon the six steps. There was none like that made in any other kingdom. When you look at Solomon's throne, he had lions on there. Why did he have lions on his throne? Because that, that lion projected majesty. Do you know that the person that we celebrate in Christmas is a man of majesty? A man that is majestic. 
That word uh, uh, majestic, it means something that unique, something that is to be celebrated. Uh, you'll find that when you read about the birth of Jesus, you'll find that angels adored him. You'll find that shepherds came to find him. You'll find that kings came from the far east to worship him. Why? Because he was majestic. You see, as the Lion of Judah, we find that Jesus is one of majesty. The Bible says he is God in the flesh, the very Son of God that came to this earth as majesty. But not only do we see in the Lion of Judah someone that is majestic, but someone that is mighty. You see, the Lion is not only known for his beauty, it's also known for its strength. As the Lion of Judah, lions are known as a ferocious animal. In fact, in the Bible, God used them many times to bring fear to people, to, to, uh, uh, to kind of purge some of the, uh, those that were not fearing God. In fact, you'll, you'll see in your notes, look in 2 Kings chapter number 17. It says in verse number 25, And so it was at the beginning of their dwelling there that they feared not the Lord. Therefore... The Lord sent lions among them, which slew some of them. You see, just lions being there in the territory, what they could do, the ferociousness of that lion, the, the fear that it brought to the people. Because, listen, that lion, if it wanted to, if it found you uh, there on the path, that lion could kill you. That lion is known as an animal that is very strong, very mighty. When we look at Jesus, the Bible says he is the Lion of Judah. He's not only majestic, but he is mighty. He is powerful. He is the might of God wrapped in humanity. Some, some people say, man, I wish I could see God. You ever, you ever told yourself that or asked yourself? Just say, I, I wish I could see God. Do you know, though, that there was a time when God showed himself. That's what we celebrate in Christmas, the incarnation of God. Great is the mystery of godliness. God became flesh. In the book of John, he says he dwelt among us. You see, Jesus is the might of God in humanity. He was so mighty as he was here on earth. He could defeat anything and everything. You see, while he was here, he defeated sickness. He defeated death. He defeated darkness. He defeated storms. He defeated hunger. He defeated loneliness and depression. He defeated the lies that were told about him. He defeated religiousness and re religiosity. He defeated pain. He defeated blindness. He defeated leprosy. He defeated crippledness. He defeated sin. He, you can see that every time he overcame, overcame, overcame. Why? Because he's a lion of Judah. He's mighty. He's strong. He's majestic. You say, Pastor, who do we celebrate when we celebrate Christmas? We celebrate the lion of Judah. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. I'm simply saying this morning, who do we celebrate in this time of Christmas? 
we celebrate the Lion of Judah. But not only the Lion of Judah, Jesus is not only called as the Lion of Judah, secondly, he's known as the light of the world. Look in John chapter 8, if you would turn in your Bibles, John chapter number 8 and verse number 12. John is the fourth book in the New Testament. And notice what he says in John chapter 8, verse number 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. You see, the apostle John records for us the fact that Jesus is the light of the world. Now, what does this tell us about Jesus? If him being the Lion of Judah tells us he's majestic and that he's mighty, then what is it to be the light of the world? Well, first of all, we find that this means that he is the one who overcomes darkness. You see, where there's light, there is no darkness. The, uh, light and darkness cannot coexist in the same place. They can't. One has to flee when the other is there. Darkness cannot not only take up the same space, but whenever light comes in, darkness must flee away. In fact, when you walked in this morning, we walked into an auditorium that had light. And the light helps you to get to your seat and to kind of be there without tripping on anything, without running into someone or running into a wall. Because you see, uh, when there's light, darkness, it disappears. It goes away. Do you know that the world says, the Bible says that our world is a dark place? The Bible says that we live in a world that has been covered by sin, and sin is described as something that is dark. It's something that uh, takes away the light, and it affected everything. Do you know when darkness came into our world, it didn't just affect you and me, but it affected everything. It affected our entire universe. Do you know that because of the darkness of sin, stars die? Because the darkness of sin, there are animals that literally kill other animals and eat them. It's brought death into our world. Because of sin, it affects how long plants can stay alive and how long trees can stay vital. It's brought disease into our world. It's brought in uh, this of old age. See, you see, sin is affecting all of us. It's a darkness that has covered everything in nature. It's affected even who we are as people. Our nature, the Bible says, is sinful. It's rotten on the inside at its core. That's why you don't have to teach a baby uh, to, to be selfish or to say no or to fight with the other children in the nursery. No, because why? Because at our very core, we have darkness. We desire evil. We desire to be lustful. We desire to be hateful. We desire to steal. We desire to gossip about other people. We desire to uh, call them names and to be hateful. That, that's just who we are in our nature. The Bible calls that darkness, the darkness of sin. And in John chapter 3, verse 19, it says, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, but men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That's just a reality that we live in today. Darkness. Oh, but isn't it awesome that when light comes, darkness flees? 
Isn't it awesome that as you look around this auditorium, there's light over here and light back there and light over here, and we can see one another? Everything changes when light comes in. And so it is when the light of the world came into this world that darkness was defeated. And suddenly all that sin and the evil that sin did, listen, could be reversed because of the light of the world. The effects of sin upon us don't have to remain the same. See, that's what Jesus being the light of the world means. He's one that has defeated darkness. He is one that has made our world brighter. Brighter than it can ever be without him. I mean, Jesus is the light of the world, the one that overcame darkness. That's why he said, don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. How can we do that when we have the light of the world in us? That light that is good, that one that is just, that one that we celebrate in Christmas. He's the light of the world. Not only does that tell us that he overcomes darkness, but it also tells us that he is the one that gives sight. You see, light has a characteristic of allowing us to see clearly what is before us. You can see the face of others because of light. I was watching a documentary this, uh, this past week on Netflix, and I really, for some reason, just I like astronomy. I like uh, any kind of documentary that talks about our galaxies or our universe, and it's always mind-blowing when you start thinking about it. After a while, it just it becomes just numbers, right? It almost, it almost defies what our minds can comprehend. Uh, they were saying if just 1% of our universe has uh, planets, there would be over 100 billion trillion planets. That's crazy. Say, what number is that? I have no idea. I don't, I don't even know how many zeros that is. I have no idea. It's just how vast and huge our universe is. But they were saying the problem with finding other planets in other solar systems and in other galaxies is that the planet has no light. So the only way that you can find a planet is uh, if there's the star there that does produce light and the planet begins to go in front of that star as it's going there in its rotation, as it's going around the star in its orbit, if it crosses between the path of where the star is at in front, our telescope can pick it up and we know, oh, that's a planet. And that's how we've been able to find out that there are literally millions of other planets. None of them can support life. And when you start going into detail of how that would work, uh, it's amazing how unique our earth is and how wonderful life is here. But you find that without that light, you don't even, you don't see. You can't find it. When you find that Jesus is the light of the world, suddenly you can see things. You see things clearly. You can see what sin does and what it continues to do. We can see how to avoid sin. In fact, Proverbs is full of that. Say, hey, don't be foolish. See where this path is leading you? Depart from that, from the path of evil. Depart from those ways that are going to bring destruction in your life. It says, that pride cometh before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. What's he saying? He's saying, look, look what pride does. See that. 
You see, Jesus, as the light of the world, helps us to see things clearly. Not only did he overcome darkness, but he, he allows us to see who we truly are, what our greatest need truly is. That's why John Newton, I'm getting it right this time, not John Bunyan. John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, said, I once was lost, but now I'm I was blind, but now I see. See, Jesus, as the light of the world, allows us to see. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, In whom the God of this world, that's the devil, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Paul says, you know what keeps people blind? Is not having the gospel. He said, the, the devil blinds you, but when the light of the world comes into your life, suddenly you can see. It shines and makes it clear in your life. Who is it that we celebrate in Christmas? We celebrate him who is beautiful, the majestic lion of Judah, the mighty, strong God that is conqueror. But we also celebrate he who is the light of the world, the one who has come to defeat the darkness of our world, the one who has come to allow us to see clearly the truth of his message. But can I say, not only is the one we celebrate the Lion of Judah and the light of the world, but he's also the Lamb of God. Perhaps the greatest of all the titles, probably the greatest one that Jesus carries is this, the Lamb of God. Look in John chapter 1 and verse number 29. What John writes here in his gospel about the Lamb of God. He says in John chapter 1 and verse 29, he said, The next day John seeth Jesus coming and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. You see, unlike the lion, this, not, this, this animal, the Lamb of God, it doesn't bring to mind a majestic, strong thought. Let's majestic strong animal or a mighty person it doesn't bring to mind one that overcomes darkness one that helps us see clearly no the lamb of god teaches us something that is very unique to the lord jesus christ you see the lamb was an animal that was chosen by god to to be the one slaughtered at times of sacrifice if you read in the old testament as those that had offended god if they were going to come to god God said, then there must be a sacrifice. Someone needs to pay for the sin that you have committed. And, and the Bible says that the lamb was that animal that would do that. The blood of the lamb that was shed would cover our sin. It wouldn't take away our sin, but it would cover our sin where God would say, okay, I'm going to withhold my judgment because that lamb was slain. It's because that lamb had a white wool. It, was, it had no blemishes. It's a, it's a lamb that's... It,